Lord, we give you thanks for your presence here tonight. And I just pray for an increase of our interaction with it this evening. Lord Jesus, thank you. We exalt you. We praise you. Amen. Um, if you can have a seat for just a minute. Hallelujah, that's a great song. Whew. I know it's Spanish, though, so I couldn't stop singing it in Spanish. So yeah, a couple people there. Um, I brought my branch tonight. You guys like my branch? Um, this branch is going to give us snacks in a little bit, I think. Do you believe it? Or sometime, I don't know. It's going to produce some kind of fruit, right? I'm not sure what this is, but it's going to grow. And um, I brought this branch because I figured we're just going to keep this branch a tabernacle, and uh, we're going to have fruit, right? That sound good? We're going to have fruit off this branch? Anybody agree with me? We're going to have some fruit? No? Why not? It's little. I'm not going to have any fruit on this. What? No roots? You mean it's not connected to anything? But this branch looks good. Today it looks good, but it might not look so good in a few days, will it? I mean, come on, if I, I got this branch, can't this branch just produce some fruit? Can it? It can't do that? Man, well, you guys know where I'm going with this, right? The Bible talks a lot about uh, trees and, and plants as being symbolic, especially trees, of who we're supposed to be. So we are supposed to be like a tree that's planted by water that has roots, like you said, roots, right? And if we're not, if we're, if we're not connected to any kind of source, then what's this going to produce? Nothing. It's going to produce nothing. It's going to look good for all, but it's not going to produce anything. So, of course, one of the most famous places that Jesus talked about this is John chapter 15. So let's take a look at those verses together. John chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 1. Put that there. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. But while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Well, there you go. I guess he knows what he's talking about. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So in this image, God the Father is the gardener. and He owns, he owns, the, he, he controls, and he creates, and he tends. And Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm what connects you. I'm a connection of the life source. And you're like this branch. And if you're connected to me, then you're going to bear fruit. But if you're not connected to me, then nothing's going to happen. And, and the phrase that has haunted me with this passage for several months now is this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not apart from me, you can do some things. Not apart from me, you'll do a couple of things here and there. But apart from me, you'll do nothing. But someone protests and says, but wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a lot of people who don't have Christ in their life, and, and they're doing things. But are they really? Or do they just look good for now, like you said? Apart from Christ, even what looks good now is not going to last. And what happens is life comes along, right? And, and sometimes there's hardship. And sometimes life takes things from us, right? And sometimes people leave us and betray us and hurt us. 
and things don't turn out the way we want and we don't get the job we want and our bills go up and we just have problems with our children and with our parents and with other stuff or sometimes it's just the energy and we're expending this energy and we're just thinking it's all right i'll do this and this and this and this okay i'm gonna do this because you know what it's gonna grow back what am i left with i'm left with nothing and this is how a lot of us feel we're like man i, I just feel so dry i feel so empty and it looks good for a while but we know that after a while these leaves are just going to turn brown and they're just going to wither and this thing is going to be dead. And even in Christ, sometimes these things happen to us. But if this thing was still connected to the tree, right, to the vine, then we'd have some hope that if God was the one who came along and pruned us away, if he got rid of the things in our life that were going to destroy us, if he took that kind of disease like sin, like a rot, and he cut it out of us, if we were connected, we'd have confidence that that's okay because we're connected to the source of life. But when we're not connected, what is our hope? What is our future? What's going to happen to us? And for so many people who say that they're Christians, their life looks more like this, this side, than it does this side. And how can that be, you say? Well, all I know is what Jesus says, if you're connected, you'll bear fruit. If you're not connected, you won't. And it causes us to search our hearts, doesn't it? And say, am I connected to Christ? Because if I were connected to the presence of Christ, then it would be God's will and desire that I would bear much fruit. And it won't happen all at once, but it'll happen like this. God will come, he'll prune, he'll take some things away, but he'll water, he'll tend, he'll watch over. And this thing, man, when at the end, you're going to just see something beautiful. But apart from Christ, we can do nothing. So it begs the question, when we have so little power, so little fruit in our lives, are we really connected to Christ? If we are, then all we need to do is hope and trust and hang on. Because it grows by itself, right? It's nothing we have to do or force, is it? Growth in Christ, growth in Christianity is not something that we have to try to do. We just have to stay connected. Jesus said, just remain. Just remain where you are, okay? Just stay where you are. It's okay. Stay connected to me and my life will flow through you. My spirit will flow through you. All you got to do is stay connected. But we get impatient, don't we? And we're like, oh, I got to do more things. I got I to gotta read my Bible and I got I to gotta go to church and I got to add this program, right? And I got to add this class. And oh, if this church was only doing this, if we only greeted visitors better, and if we only had more money in the budget, and if we did this, 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 and this, we'd all oh, look how good our church looks. And God says, whew, you're not connected. <laughs> you're not connected. Because if you're connected, I can't put the leaves on. They just grow how? All by themselves, right? They just grow because that's what it does. It's connected. It grows. And friends, what I want to tell you tonight is that we need to be connected to Christ. We need to experience and live in the reality that we have been connected to God through Jesus Christ. And his life, his spirit flows through us. And that spirit brings us life. And it brings us power. And it produces much fruit. 
For you see, you need to understand and believe this truth, which many of us believe, many of us as Christians believe that we have the Holy Spirit of God. And friends, that is what you have. You, right, you have the Holy Spirit of God. Because Jesus told his disciples right after this, he said, look, in a little while I'm going away. Okay, I'm not going to be here with you, but I'm going to send someone to be with you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you. He is the very presence of God that is going to be in your life. And he promised them in John chapter 16 that he would send this Holy Spirit. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 2, we read the story of when the Holy Spirit came and it fell on the followers of Christ at Pentecost. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus promised the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came. And then we believe that at the moment we receive Jesus, at the moment we believe that we have the Holy Spirit of God. And this is not just some idea we came up with, but Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. Mm. When you believed You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you believed, you were marked in Jesus with the promised seal, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it would happen. It happened, and now it continues to happen for every single person who believes. You receive inside you the Holy Spirit of God. And so why have we got so many Christians that are living their lives like this? just dry and not much fruit in their life. Why is that happening? How is that even possible in God's kingdom? Because Paul goes on to say that don't you know that the power that is within you, he said, oh, I'm praying for you because you have to have the eyes of your heart open. You have to be enlightened so that you may know the riches of his glory, his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside each and every one of us. If we're gonna stay constantly connected to Christ, the first thing we need to do is to realize that we are connected if we believe, right? Sometimes it's no more complicated than that. If you believe in Jesus, you've received the Holy Spirit, you're connected to him. If you don't believe, then you haven't received and you're not connected. This branch is either on the tree or it's not. It's been cut off at this point. It's not connected to the life. And the invitation is always there. If you believe the good news, the gospel of salvation, the message of Jesus Christ, you receive the moment you believe the promise of the Holy Spirit, that connection to God, that source of power in your life. That's a question each one of you can answer for yourselves tonight. If you want to be connected to Christ, believe and receive him. If you do believe him, then you are connected. And start remembering that and living in that hope and in that truth. But it's hard to do that, isn't it? It's hard to live in that because we don't always recognize the presence. We don't always feel the presence. We're not always aware of the presence that is around us. I mean, sometimes it's like, it's like we're wandering, right? We're going through life and it's like, God, I just don't, I just don't feel you, okay? That we use that language. I don't know if that's good language or not, but that's what we say, right? I just don't feel you. I just, I'm not aware of your presence. God, I mean, I know, okay, I studied this. I prayed. I received you. I believe in you, Jesus. I know the Holy Spirit's inside of me, um, but I, I, I just don't, I don't know what's happening, right? Am I right? Do you guys know that? Do you ever feel like you're far away from God? 
Do you ever feel like you don't feel the presence of God? There's like these times when he's not there. Well, part of the message tonight is to remind you that he is there, that he's always there, and he never leaves. One of the most beautiful illustrations of this, ooh, cool, somebody gave me some lights right here, I like that, is found in, the, in a book of the Chronicles of Narnia, the horse and his boy. And there's a beautiful passage. The main character, Shasta, is uh, developed this friend who's a horse. And uh, they're traveling on these adventures together. And there's this one point, uh, almost towards the end of the story, uh, where, they're, where they're, they're on their way to the land of Narnia and a, a fog comes and surrounds them and it just, it gets dark and they're just not sure what's going on and, and, and the horse slows down and, and, and Shasta's getting tired and he's getting weary and he's a little bit nervous about what might be out there in the fog because this is a strange land. And as they're walking, listen to how it's described. Shasta discovered that someone or somebody was walking beside him. It was pitch dark and he could see nothing. And the thing or the person was going so quietly that he could hardly hear any footfalls. But what he could hear was breathing. His invisible companion seemed to breathe on a very large scale. And Shasta got the impression that it was a very large creature. And he had come to notice this breathing so gradually that he really had no idea how long it had been there. And it was a horrible shock. The thing, unless it was a person, went on beside him so quietly that Shasta began to hope he'd only imagined it. But just as he was becoming quite sure of it, there suddenly came a deep, rich sigh out of the darkness beside him. And that couldn't be his imagination. Anyway, he had felt the hot breath of that sigh on his chilly left hand. At last, he could bear it no longer. Who are you? He said, scarcely above a whisper. One who has waited long for you to speak, said the thing. And its voice was not loud, but very large. And very deep. And as they go on to have a conversation about the things that have happened in Shasta's life, the voice reveals to Shasta that it had been with him from the beginning of his story, from the beginning of his adventure, from the beginning of his life. Finally, at the end of their conversation, Shasta asks the voice, Who are you? Myself, said the voice, very deep and low, so that the earth shook. And again, myself, loud and clear and gay. And then the third time, myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear it. And yet it seemed to come from all around you as if the leaves rustled with it. And Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him, nor that it was the voice of a ghost. But a new and different sort of trembling came over him. And yet he felt glad too. The presence of God is everywhere. The presence of Christ is with us, waiting in anticipation, watching, desiring that we would believe, that we would reach out in faith and say, who are you? This thing that I can't understand, this longing that I can't seem to fill, who are you? And that God would answer and respond. Sometimes God is with us all along and we just don't realize it. So to help us realize it, um, one of our Christian brothers, his name was Brother Lawrence. He was a monk that lived in the 1600s. He had this little routine that he called practicing the presence of God. Because he acknowledged, hey, we're humans. We, we can't seem to live in this awareness of the presence of God all the time. So we need to practice it. We need a discipline to help us in that. And it was eventually written down into a book, The Practice of the Presence of God. And it was simply this. He said, listen, as I go about my everyday tasks, I would picture that Christ was with me. 
So I'm going to just visualize that Jesus is with me. Whatever thing that I'm doing, you know, for the monks, you know, and he worked in the kitchen. So you can imagine, you know, him, him scrambling eggs or something, right? I guess they ate scrambled eggs back then. And, you know, he pictures that Christ is with him scrambling the eggs. Or maybe he's mopping or sweeping, and he would just picture that Christ is doing this with me. And when I'm praying, that Christ is right with me when I'm praying. And I think this is something that we could use that would be helpful in our lives is to think about, to practice the presence of Christ by consciously picturing that Christ is with us, right? Because he is. Because he is with us. We know that. It's promised to us. But we need to begin to live in it. We need to begin to come to an understanding and become aware of it. And I think it'll happen with our minds and with our hearts and, and our spirits. But just every part of your day, from being at home to being at school to being at work or wherever, just picture that Christ is with you. Just picture the presence of Christ. Even now and in this moment, you know, just allow yourself to become aware, like the story says, of this breathing, of this presence, of this deepness that is around you. And pretty soon it will become more real than you can even imagine. And I know this is something that we want. I know it's something that we long for. I came across a beautiful poem while I was just in Arizona last week visiting my father and, and, and at a spiritual retreat. And I came across this beautiful poem by Rainier uh, Maria Rilke. And just, just listen to this, this longing for this connection with God. He said, you God who live next door, if at times through the long night I trouble you with my urgent knocking, this is why I hear you breathe so seldom. I know you're all alone in that room. If you should be thirsty, there's no one to get you a glass of water. I wait, listening always, just give me a sign, I'm right here. As it happens, the wall between us is very thin. Why couldn't a cry from one of us break it down? It would crumble easily. It would barely make a sound. To those of you tonight who are longing to know God, who are longing to feel his presence, I want to proclaim to you that the wall between you and God is very thin. And just a word from either one of you tonight would cause it to crumble so easily and so quickly that it would barely make a sound. And that's how close Christ is in this moment and in this place. He said, wherever two or three gather together in my name, I'm going to be there in their midst. They can bank on it. They can know that it's true. No matter how you feel, no matter what place you've come from, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've received his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are not like this branch on the ground. You are connected to the source of all life, Jesus Christ. And my final word for you this evening is this, that when you're connected to Christ, you will bear much fruit. Now, what exactly is that fruit? I mean, what, what is the purpose of our life? What is the thing that our life is intended to accomplish? Well, it's quite simply this. If you keep reading just the verses right after where we stopped, Jesus begins to talk about love. He says, love is what it's all about. Greater love is no one than this, than you lay down your life for your friends. It's because of love that I call you now my friends. You can ask whatever you want, and I'm going to give it to you because I love you. It's all about love. We know that love is the most important fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus said that, that all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's the most important mark of being connected to me is that love is produced in your life. And in Colossians it says that we need, above, we need to put love around everything that we do because love is what binds everything together. 
And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is the greatest thing of all things. It is love, friends. That's what your life is to produce. A bounteous fruit of love. So if you're you're looking around at this world, this is kind of cool. God set it up this way. You could also begin to recognize the presence of God because of the fruit, right? Because of the fruit. Remember when Moses wanted to see God and God was like, well, you can't quite see me directly, but you can see where I just was. So you kind of see a little rustling in the leaves, a little wake behind me. You can see that because you're not quite ready yet to see me face to face. So wherever you see love, love is the sign that God is there. Because God's spirit working through his people produces love. Love is the fruit that God produces. Along with a lot of other things that love flows out of, but love is where it's at. And you can begin to look in your life for the love that God is producing. Right? Right? It's so important. It's so important. I'll tell you a scary thing and an encouraging thing and then I'm done. Scary thing is that so many people claim to be Christians and I don't see the love I'm like, where is the love, baby? Where's the love? And when I don't see the love, I I can't help but think, are you connected to Christ? Because if you're connected to Christ, then you're going to produce fruit, and that's going to be love. There's got to be some kind of love being produced in your life if you're connected to Christ. And then the good news is this, because I know this applies to so many of you. You're beginning to see love spring up in places all around you. You're beginning to feel a love in your heart that you can't possibly imagine. And even though sometimes it feels dry and it feels empty and you feel alone and you're in a fog or it seems like God is right next door and you're knocking on that door and you just can't quite get there, just know that you're closer than you think and trust in the great love of God that we sing about every week and trust in the love that's growing in your own heart as the sign and evidence that you are connected to Christ. Let's pray. I'm going to invite you to begin this right now with this little prayer exercise. I want you to think about something that's happened in your life recently. Just anything. Something that happened today, this week. And I want you to right now, just as an exercise of discipline, picture Jesus with you in that situation right now. Whatever it was. Because we're just going to take a couple minutes here, not one, just a couple minutes to practice this. Because I want you to take this with you and do it every day. So right now, just picture, okay, I was doing this. I was with this person. Picture that Jesus Christ is there with you. And just dwell in that image for a moment. Just dwell in that place. How does that change your interaction? Because even as I'm asking you to do this, the reality is he was there. He was in that conversation. He was in that meeting. He was in that car. He was in that room. He was in that place. And if you had been aware of it then, how would it have changed? And what would you say to him? And what would he say to you?